0: Welcome to The Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy, and productivity.
1: So hello and welcome to Thrive TV. It's great to have you with us. My name is Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your energy, health, and productivity. And today we're talking about the nature deficit disorder crisis. So I'm joined by Ricardo Sierra, who's the director and the founder of the Hawk Circle Wilderness Education. So welcome, Ricardo. Great to have you with me. Great to be here. Excellent, so we're gonna talk about today what nature's, nature deficit disorder is, why it's a real problem for us and our kids. We're gonna share with you what the long-range effects of a life when we're disconnected from the natural world Really are, and also talk about what we as parents and grandparents can do to help our children to grow and thrive. So I'm really excited about today's session. And um, before we get into the details and the depth of it, I just want to ask you some this and that questions, Ricardo. It's a bit sort of a fun way to, for people to get to know you. So tell me what would you prefer? The first question is always spots or stripes?
0: Uh, I guess I'd say uh, stripes.
1: You're a stripes person? Okay, great. And what about shower or bath?
0: I guess. Shell or what?
1: Shower or bath?
0: Oh, uh, shower is good. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, I wondered about that. I thought it's probably better for the planet too. Um, would you rather have a pet pig <laughs> or a pet goat?
0: Um, I'll, I'll go for the first one, the pig.
1: Okay, pet pig. All right. Uh, Batman or Superman.
0: Uh, Batman all the way
1: Batman all the way okay great Um, yeah. Speaking of superheroes, would you rather be able to fly or turn invisible?
0: You know they both sound great, so uh, I guess I'll but I'll go with uh, flying that sounds pretty fun
1: oh, nice great and logical or creative I Think I know this one, but I'm not sure you tell me
0: I'm pretty logical, but I also love to create stuff so Man, I'm split right I'd like both if, if I can yeah. if I can have it,
1: you know. Yeah, actually I can see that but, in you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And finally the big one, cake or cookies? Uh, cookies. Cookies. Okay, great. Yeah. Excellent. So just to tell you all a little bit more about Ricardo. Ricardo is the founder and director of the Hawk Circle Wilderness Camp, which helps children, teens and adults to learn life skills that are life-changing and transformative. He's spent 30 years there as an educator and a trainer to help over 10,000 people reconnect with the natural world. He lives in Cherry Valley in New York, and recently Ricardo and I were at the same TEDx stage sharing our TED Talks. So I'm really excited to help you spread this amazing message that you have, Ricardo. So, first of all, just tell us how did you get started in doing what you're doing now?
0: Uh, well, basically, I loved being outside. I had a uh, a childhood that lived, I lived really um, close to nature. We were in a rural area and there really wasn't much to do. Um, you know, I'm 54 so I grew up in uh, a time before video games and television and all that. Um, we, we didn't even have a TV. So I spent all my childhood really being out in the woods learning. And once I, um, started learning wilderness survival skills, I found myself going to, um, work with kids and children just loved making fire, uh, going camping, uh, creating shelters and just, they loved that whole interaction. And so that led me to, uh, start working with summer camps. And then we start, I started my own camp in 1989. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's been a long journey
1: in that way. That's amazing. Incredible. And tell me, what are the things that you've seen? What are the changes that you've seen over that time?
0: Well, when kids first came to my camp, they didn't have any problems for the most part. It was kind of like a, what they call the 80-20 rule. So 80% of children could tie knots, pack their backpack, uh, sharpen their knife, um, you know, cook over a fire, Set up a tent by themselves, all that, and twenty percent probably couldn't really do it uh, without a lot of help. But now, uh, you know what? What I've seen is that it's really flipped completely around. Now, eighty percent of our kids are showing up at our wilderness camp who have almost no skills at Uh, Mm -hmm. all—no knot tying, no sharpening knives. Like they're just they—they can't handle that at all. And about twenty percent. So that's been a really uh, big revelation for me as an educator to say, how do I change my program to match those kids that are coming in with no skills at all? So we have to kind of, in a way, slow, slow down and start with the basics. And that's mm-hmm. been tough. Wow. Um, so it's
1: just, uh, so that was a big... We've
0: been seeing that for the last 15 years, and it's really accelerated. Mm-hmm. It's accelerated in uh, the last, uh, I would say... 10 to 12 years uh, rapidly.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And sorry if I'm speaking over you. I think we've got a slight delay. So you talk about this okay. thing called nature deficit disorder. So can you just give us a definition of what that is?
0: Well, nature deficit disorder is, is a condition. It's not a medical term, but it's more of a conditional term that Richard Louv, uh, who wrote the book, Last Child in the Woods, um, he kind of coined that um, as he began to see and study and write about um, the types of things that children are not getting that they used to get uh, 30, 40 years ago. And so it's, it's, he's talking about nature deficit disorder as a, uh, so the, the effects that not being connected to nature have on us as children or as adults, where we get, we experience depression Uh, you know, emotional instability. Uh, We're we're not, you know, there are physical, actual concrete physical things that happen, uh, not just like things like obesity, but our mental health, and Mm -hmm. how much, you know, our fingers and dexterity, all the things that we start to lose when we don't get outside and play as kids, and we don't get outside Mm -hmm. enough as adults, you know, just the feeling of taking a walk in the woods uh, actually stimulates about 10 different uh, physical features in our in our body that stimulate us to create dopamine or serotonin and flood our body with these really powerful hormones that help us to maintain our connection. And we've been doing this for, you know, 100,000 years as a species. And the fact that we are disconnected right now is, is really making a, a big it's creating a lot of problems that many people are seeing, but they don't quite understand what actually is happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, from what you're saying, this is affecting children, but from what I see as well as this is actually affecting us all, isn't it, as adults? I just feel like right. so often we are caught in this man-made world and sometimes we can spend or a lot of people can spend virtually all of their time within buildings, within concreted areas. And we all know somewhere deep down that when we get out of nature, it makes us feel good. I think we often don't place the emphasis on understanding just how beneficial and actually how essential it is. So this is where your message is so important. And I think all the challenges we're seeing in terms of depression and anxiety and people feeling overwhelmed, that if we could integrate some nature time into our day every day, it would make such a difference. Yeah. So can you give me any stories or examples of, now, can you share some of the stories of the kids that you've worked with and, and what it is that you do with them?
0: Well, you know, a big part of, of uh, the nature, you know, kind of solving nature deficit disorder involves getting outside, and that that alone is, is awesome. So, like, for example, if a young person uh, or an adult comes to our program here in upstate New York, or, you know, they number one they're on they're offline so they're not on their phone the whole time kind of staring and looking looking down and so what happens is that their senses are getting triggered and then they are um, getting a chance to kind of take in what they see around them and it's a full body experience so in a lot of cases you don't have to children don't have to actually uh, do anything. You don't have to almost do anything uh, mm-hmm. because nature is going to work on you regardless of whether you're into it or not. It's still going to be affecting your mood and your uh, you, how you think and everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you can't just sit out there. So when we take people out, we usually try to show them uh, different plants they can use, uh, things that they can touch and gather. So kids will play games, we'll have them play hide and seek. And hide and seek is something that, you know, is... Magical because you get them to go and lay down behind a tree, and they kind of like tuck their head down under the log, and they're laying on the ground, and they can feel their heartbeat on the ground and the grass, and they can smell the soil mm-hmm. and everything. And so it it's like they think it's about the game, but it's actually about um, getting them even deeper connection uh, to uh, playing with things and and uh, feeling and sensing. Uh, and experiencing the earth in a way that they can't get from a video game.
1: Absolutely. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's great. My daughter actually went to forest school one day a week this last year, and I got to accompany her one day, and it was just the best day. We spent literally the entire day outdoors, and they got the children to take a little mat and just go and sit somewhere just for, I think it was probably about two minutes. They didn't ask them to do anything, but they just allowed them to be and I think what you said about you know playing hide-and-seek or playing games I actually believe the adults we need to do that too last night with my family we were playing a game similar to hide-and-seek we call it capture the flag you've got two bases and you've got to try and sneak to the other base steal their flag and get back to yours so it's kind of like hide-and-seek plus go home stay home and it's just I think the best thing about it is that it's so fun because you're just totally present in the moment, yeah. you're not distracted by anything else. You're just listening and moving and having fun and being connected. So yeah, so I know that you've Absolutely. got people, you know, for adults as well. What can people do if they feel that they want to really heal from this disconnect that you talk about? What are the practical steps people can take?
0: Well, I look at um, the nature deficit disorder as being, like we said, part nature. So getting getting outside is a big help. Um, and then, if you don 't really know what to do when you 're out there it 's helpful to try and learn something or practice a skill like to uh, like we said, learn about some of the plants or trees. It could be about gathering uh, berries to make something at home, um, things that will help us to feel connected to the things around us. Um, a lot of times you know we come from a hunter gatherer background as uh, human beings so we're used to gathering things, we're used to throwing sticks, we're used to building a shelter, um, you know, playing with clay by the river or gathering stones. And so anything we can do that kind of get, involves our hands and our head learning a little bit and then um, seeing what's around us is going to, is going to begin to uh, help us feel connected really quickly. And Mm -hmm. and what's what's startling about a lot of the work I do with kids is that they, um, it it's very transformative in a very short period of time. Um, So a big part of it is them feeling safe, and then also learning something, and then uh, beginning that process of going, uh, you know, sharing that with each other. So so being able to connect with. Your friends or your family, and tell the stories of your adventures, and so that's a a lot of uh, how this healing starts happening very rapidly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, if you
0: can't share, if you can't share, you're going to it's going to feel a little bit incomplete. If you go outside and you have an amazing experience and you see a a bird or a, an animal, and you go, oh, it's so great, and then you come home and you go, oh, let me tell you, I, a lot of times people don't. Um, really know what you're talking about or they don't care. And then you kind of Mm -hmm. feel like this is, nobody cares about me. Um, So when we have people that connect with us, um, then we all of a sudden feel closer to each other. And so all of those things have incredible healing uh, benefits Mm -hmm. uh, for us mentally and physically. It's, it's just, uh, you know, we're missing that in this culture. This is the probably the loneliest uh, culture they say. Uh, that has ever existed on the planet.
1: Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I believe that that's true. And, and we know that connection is one of the key foundations of well-being. And I think that's connection human to human, but also being connected yeah. with ourselves and where we are. Yeah. I know in your TED talk, you shared some really striking statistics about, you know, what's going on and how things have changed. Can you share some of those? Because they were really impactful.
0: Right. So right now they say, uh, and this statistic is actually from uh, 2016, I think. So there's, there's, you know, they're always kind of coming up with studies that uh, are more detailed. But um, what's been unfolding is that it's, you know, that children today are getting outside. They say uh, it's like a seven and seven, they call it. So it's, they're spending seven, at, seven minutes outside and seven hours online, on average, in Amer- for American children. Uh, wow. Which is, which is scary. And, they, and the, uh, you know, there's an article that just came out a couple weeks ago that says that actually prisoners in, in you know, in prison get more time outside than children today. Uh, wow. But, you know, prisoners are allowed to go out and, pl- and be in, in the yard, and they're outside. Whereas kids literally will have, they might have a half hour, kids have seven minutes. Um, So uh, a lot of schools are getting away, you know, they're doing away with recess and, you know, playtime outside. And so it's very um, scary about what's happening. And the statistic about uh, being online, they say that that is really about uh, any kind of screen time. So they're saying seven hours a day on a screen is the average it could it's i've heard it actually as high as nine hours for um a, a vast majority of kids mm-hmm. um,
1: so yeah those are incredible. those are yeah. pretty scary yeah and i know i mean having children myself i just know how addictive those screens can be yes and often it's it's putting boundaries in place and managing it and and also i think i try to empower and educate my kids on the benefits of them going out to play in the snow or play in the fresh air or sure. rake the leaves and all those things. And usually it's more challenging to get them out the door than it is to get them back in, you know, or, or actually it's challenging right. to get them back in because they really enjoy it once they're out there. And so it's just programming yes. it in as much. Yeah. So I know that while That's there right. are really scary stats out there, that you're still hopeful that things can be turned around. Tell me about how you see that happening and why you know that it can change.
0: Well, what's hopeful for me is that uh, parents, uh, especially parents of, you know, of my age or, or younger, who, who have an understanding of this natural connection, they are witnessing the kind of the, the tantrums, the addictive behavior, and the screen time, and they're seeing uh, children struggling. And so they know, like teachers know, parents know, grandparents know that this is a problem. And, so, and it's not a specialized thing. It's literally across the board, people are going, man, our kids are struggling. Mm-hmm. And so the, what I'm hopeful about is that it, with a little bit of help, they can learn to uh, disconnect their kids from, you know, to be able to put the iPad down or the video game controller down or turn the TV mm-hmm. off or whatever and begin to um, shift them into activities that are outside. Um, So a big part of it is for them is to get really inspired that they can do that and to also help them to uh, take action and not be afraid that their kids are going to freak out. Like that's uh, one of the number one things that I've heard grandparents say to me is they say, Oh, I'm just so worried that my grandpa, my grandkids won't want to come visit me because they can't be on their computer or their phone. And, and they're, so they're afraid that then, you know, they won't want to come to grandma's house or something. But mm-hmm. in reality, by making them take their phone and put it down, they, they are now going to be in this place where they're going to have a much richer and powerful experience with their kids. So that in itself is going to become very healing and, and impactful. So a big part of my work is about trying to help them understand that. And if we can, if we can get them to see that that is possible, uh, then we can actually make really powerful change really quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I think technology is still going to be here, and that's okay. It's not really a anti-technology, but it's more about uh, a controlled amount of time that we, that we spend online. And, Absolutely, and yeah. Then, yeah, making choices. It's like food, right? It's like food or exercise or anything. Making, making the right choices at times really has a tremendous benefit um, which is what I call—I call it the natural advantage. You get a natural advantage when you learn skills, when you get outside, and when you're able to kind of bond with people away from phones and and, and screens. So, yeah. so that's Absolutely. that's what I'm yeah. hopeful
1: about. And I know that you talk about even skills, things like sewing or knitting or crochet or doing manual games with our hands, even baking or preparing food. You know, I know my kids, they love going to their grandparents' farm and going down the galley and building a fire and boiling up some tea, Billy tea, I don't know if you have billys. This is a New Zealand word. It's kind of just for a metal container essentially and and making out Uh a lot of tea or hot cocoa and just that experience of being outdoors, it creates these amazing memories. But I think equally, like you're saying, as parents and grandparents, We can be fearful sometimes that, oh, if I turn the TV off, are they going to complain? Are they going to grizzle? Are they going to whine? And so it's being able to have alternatives and planning ahead. So can people access ideas or, you know, ideas of things that they can put in place? Do you have your website available? What have you got to resource people to to help them get started, Ricardo?
0: Absolutely. Well, my... um, uh you know my camp and my programs are mostly here in in upstate new york but and so people can go to my website and see what we offer but you can also um get some online trainings and a a lot of these things are are very simple to start with so all those things that we talk about about working with your hands and and getting those skills those are really important and they don't they don't have to be that complicated they don't have to be um you know some high level calculus or whatever it is that can be very, very simple to start, and when kids get a chance to work with their with their hands they're they're simulating that hundred thousand years of being hunter gatherers where we had to make our own clothing and everything we had we made from nature, so that's part of I think why it's so powerful um, but I would say you know like I mean YouTube literally is filled with like how to uh, do it yourself, the do it yourself movement, uh, all the crafting type people. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of more hundreds, millions of tutorials online that you could type in and then learn how to do that and then do it with your kids. So, uh, so the, the amount of resources that are available to us is, mm-hmm. uh, it's staggering. So I just wish more people would start doing it and getting, you know, getting inspired to do it. And that's that, but it's all there. Everything we everything we need is there to turn this uh, trend around. Mm-hmm. So that's why one of the reasons I'm really hopeful. So
1: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I think that I mean that shows, you know, it's not about being anti technology because technology is definitely here to stay, but it's using it, isn't no. it? Like, tapping into those resources. I know my kids love watching tutorials of how to make things out of cardboard, how to make mazes and different things. And then it's just setting aside sure. the time and, and just letting them go go for it, getting some cable boxes and some blue or whatever it is that they need and setting aside the time and space. And yeah, it's yeah. incredible the hours and hours that they can spend doing things like that once they get started. So, and I, That's think, right. I think, it's yeah, very addictive. From, yeah, from your TED talk, Ricardo was, we just talked about how, you know, we're now living with a generation coming through that do not know what it's like to grow up and just running outdoors and playing, we, we're living with a generation now that are growing up that have always had technology and they, they almost can't picture what that would be like to live without it. So it's really coming back to our natural roots. And if we don't take action now, then we're going to have a whole world full of this generation that have only been exposed to technology. So, yeah, I'm with you. We need to create more opportunities for our young people to engage. And yeah, I know it's going to help boost people's overall well-being. So. So thank you for all that you've had to share with us today. I hope Absolutely. that everyone that's watching is inspired. Um, if there's one final thought that you'd like to share with those that are watching, what would it be?
0: Well, I would just say that, you know, the natural world being outside and, and learning is, is always there for us. And, it's, and we have to make sure that we give it to ourselves first because mm-hmm. then we have stories that we can then share with other people. If we're not doing it, if we're on our phone and staring, then we're not going to be able to do it. So we have to kind of put the mask on ourselves before we put it on anyone else. And uh, and that's going to be a game changer right there. So,
1: yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, our kids learn from what clue. they see us do rather than what they hear us say, don't they? So absolutely, I love it. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ricardo. If you're watching this and you want to find out more, then head over to Ricardo's Website. The links will be in the show notes down below. I encourage you to check it out. If you've got time left in your day today, why not head outdoors right now and go and get some of that wonderful natural advantage. So thanks so much for joining us, Ricardo.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's great. This has
1: been a great episode of Thrive TV and we'll hope to see you on the next one. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to The Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons. Visit ThriveTVShow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.